Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup, being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkout. I'm Susan Littlefield. Boy, I wish I had confetti and excitement to throw into these markets this week, and unfortunately, it has not happened. Um, I think one of the most struggled weeks we have seen, and not only from a price perspective, I think from the mental perspective as well, is our producers, both from a grain and the livestock side, watch what's happening, and they look at where they're going to be three, four, six months down the road. We're going to take a look at what's been happening, what Mother Nature has and has not been doing, and is there some possibility of new plant in the sense of getting rid of that wheat crop and looking for a second crop. Stick around, a whole lot's coming up on this week's episode. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity and productivity live together under one roof. A future that takes you from point A to point B to point Z all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation. A soy-based future? It's already here. And welcome back once again. As you can see, I am joined. I'm going to call these guys the A-Team, as I did back in February when the two of them were on together with me. We have got Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors and Mike Zuzlo with Global Commodity Analytics. And I think to start out, gentlemen, we really have to hit up. Mike, we're going to start with you because you live in wheat country. Uh, we just finished that Kansas wheat quality tour just the day before yesterday. And I think a lot of folks watching, especially on social media, as to how that crop really looks out there. Yeah, and I'm almost ashamed to say I'm in northeast Kansas, Susan, and that's where we've been blessed with more rains, a lot more rains than mm -hmm. uh, the, the poor people in hard red wheat country. And, you know, what little wheat we have around here is looking really nice. There's no, I don't think, fear at all of any kind of abandonment. Um, and, and as you get to Manhattan, which is about an hour and a half away from me, that's when you really start to pick up more in the wheat country. And I, I think the big thing from the crop tour and others have mentioned this, but I think it's worth re-mentioning is the idea of the abandonment acres. I think were pretty low in percentage terms for both USDA and the crop tour based upon the anecdotal numbers and estimates that I got uh, from both tour participants and also clients I work with uh, the Tour number was 80, uh, USDA was 81% harvested to planted on uh, acreage base in their updated report. Um, that, that's against a long-term average of well over 90%. I think that harvested to planted number could go down. So I think we're still going down in all wheat yield at this stage after what I've seen, mainly because of abandonment acreage, uh, either harvested acres or yield, I think are going to go down and take that carryover down more. But the trade really didn't look at that much at all this week. It had plenty of other things to look at. So when we talk abandonment, are they going to go Milo soybeans? What's the feel that you've been hearing from folks? It really differs. You know, as you get west of Hayes and south of Hayes, uh, which would be the last third, the western third of the state, um, you're not going to see anything planted at this stage. You'll just hold on to the wheat for essentially topsoil mm -hmm. Uh, moisture salvation. Um, as you get closer to the center part of the state, uh, if you get these rains that come through, and I do think that issue along with the drought monitor update from uh, the CPC released Friday morning did really add a lot of negativity on the supply side, on the weather side. The, I think weather bulls jumped out with that new three-month outlook looking wetter 
for east of the Mississippi River. Um, but I think the center part of Kansas, if you get rains, many have told me that they will go ahead and rip the wheat up and plant another crop if they see a pattern change. And I could expect that between now and the Memorial Day holiday, I think. All right, Darren, for you, I want to, I joked about at the beginning that last time you two were on in February, uh, you guys had a lot of thoughts and discussions about both this wheat and this cattle market and some, I don't want to use the word nervousness, but just some um, holding back, shall we say, on on what you might have seen in this trade for wheat. And you had some concerns back in February for this commodity. Yeah, I, I thought that we had to still go lower here in everything, but also in wheat and Obviously, the corridor was a big issue, and you know we know that the Kansas City, the hard red winter wheat crop is in bad shape, and those abandonments could push 25, 27% before it's all over. And so it was hard to be bearish with all that going on, but the charts were saying lower, and, and actually the charts are still saying lower. You know, this was a good selling opportunity this uh, week, earlier in the week at 9.10, 9.15, Kansas City wheat, July, and uh, now we're already 76 76, 80 cents off that that high. And so uh, I'm still looking down and uh, I'm, I'm still looking for a topping cattle that haven't come yet. Um, but this is a terminal wave and we will go lower when we finally top, but we haven't done it yet in feeders or in cattle. So Mike mentioned the, uh, the moisture to the eastern half of the Mississippi River. That's right in your neck of the woods. How are things looking right now crop-wise? Oh, they're looking really good. You know, we have growers across the country, obviously, and you know, the biggest thing that we took from the growers this spring as they're planting is how great soil conditions were. And that was pretty much uh, every state that we have clients in. There wasn't anybody complaining about that. And now when we see more active rain patterns here with a more active jet stream, I really think that sets us up in the heart of the Corn Belt for a pretty good crop. And so things are looking good. Things are good stands have been established. Uh, obviously, some guys are still finishing up. But overall, the crop is emerging and it looks really good. So how much of the Ukraine-Russia deal and picking a new date weighed in on the markets this week? I think it was a part of it. I think just having more moisture into the Western Plains, the opportunity for that was a big part of the wheat. But then you had the corridor come through and that was another big part. These funds are moving from a net you know, long position in, in the oil seeds to neutral or net negative and of course they just keep adding in their shorts and corn and wheat and so it's hard to fight that money flow and uh and and there's been nothing to stop it no catalyst so we just don't have a big enough event right now to turn the charts and so the the path of least resistance is still lower and that's really tough if you don't have your hedges in place you just can't believe how weak everything's gotten and uh it, it's really a train wreck out here for producers that aren't hedged Mike, could the dollar be a part of this as well as we see it move higher again? Yeah, I mean, we've priced in a debt deal. That's on shaky ground as of Friday afternoon. I think Darren brought up a a pretty big point about the demand side of the equation. The the biggest things that happened earlier this week for me, Susan, that made me nervous about being able to put a low in this market were the negative export uh, inspections um, and then the negative export sales uh, later in the week. And I think this demand bear that the funds are really in charge of, coupled with 
the export uh, pace that we continue to see weaken even on lower prices. But and that's in part due to the dollar. It also has to do with the new six month low in the Chinese offshore currency. And I really see that as one of the heart and souls of the demand negativity in this market that funds see a weaker economy in China. If they see a weakening currency, then they don't see as much buying power and they do not want to participate in even being let alone being long, but then it makes them want to be more short, especially when the weather and the supply side doesn't perform adequately. I think a sleeper issue out there in the next two weeks, having said that, is the Brazilian second crop corn. What happens in Mato Grosso and Paraná, I think increasingly becomes more important, especially with these Chinese corn cancellations. Why would they cancel so much corn in the future now if we've got problems brewing in the biggest portion of Brazil's corn crop? So then having said that, Darren, do you think China's really kind of keeping an eye on what's going on right now with this crop in Brazil, thinking, hey, we're going to be able to get some cheap stuff into fall? Well, I think they are eyeing everything. They're good marketing um, people. So risk management's their forte. And I would imagine if they're canceling stuff, they're messing with our markets to try to rebook cheaper down there. There is some question about the central and southern part of Brazil how big that crop will be. I don't think we're talking under 125, but I'm not sure 130 plus is in the cards anymore. I'm hearing that it's very large up north and Mato Grosso is a big state, but overall um, you still have to have Paraná and Rio Grande do Sul and some of those that contribute. And that's where some of the issues are central and south. And that crop is less mature too. So it's not in the bin yet and it could shrink a little bit more, but overall, uh, like Mike said, the dollar moving higher, the uncertainty around the economy, the fun selling, hard to stand in front of here. Well, it is a Friday when you are all joining me to record this, and we had a cattle and feed report. Any excitement? Did we see any fireworks, Mike? You know, mostly neutral, but I couldn't agree more with Darren again like we were in February. I really think in the deferred contracts, especially where we saw new uh, marketing year highs. November feeders got up to levels not seen since November of 2014. So we're up at that point now. Um, given this Catalan feed report, I think we're a little bit more in terms of needing to feed the bull again. It was mostly neutral, maybe a little friendly when it came to the placements coming in at uh, 95.8 versus an average of 96.3. I wrote to clients that I would expect the placements be to be a little bit down, especially in states like Oklahoma. Haven't seen the state by state numbers yet, but we did start to get some rains in Oklahoma uh, back in April. And I did notice that Oklahoma feeder cattle auction uh, that we would keep track of was starting to improve again. So I suspect the rains coming in helped hold back the placements. That may give us another bump, but I'm in, in the red zone as far as deferred pricing on especially these fat cattle and November feeders. I want to throw this at both of you as we get ready to wrap up this week's program. Mainstream media talking about could see some tight supplies of proteins, especially when we look at cattle coming into 2024. What do you think, Mike? I think it's very likely because of the bird flu now found in Brazil and most importantly, the potential hog liquidation that we could see here in this country and in China based upon what the profitability is. Darren, for you. Yeah, I, I don't have anything to add to that. And the charts are showing that we get a break now, maybe in the late summer, then you put in maybe a new high in feeder cattle, October timeframe, new highs in cattle, maybe into that fourth quarter, early first quarter of 24. So I'm looking for a pullback, but not a, a, a high for a long period of time. I still think a new high is possible, but down the road.
All right, gentlemen, I think we all need to do our parts, get those grills going this weekend as we get ready to head into a holiday week. Sounds great. I'm with you, Susan. Just tell me where to be. All right. Sounds good. Well, thanks to both of you for joining us this week. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's been this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff right here on the Rural Radio Network.